Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Excited to get into a little bit of food talk, the food crisis. Um, Not to be hyperbolic here, but we are in a fragile system. And Rebel Gardens founder, Jason Brunson, uh, gets into this whole thing with me. And it was really fun to have a discussion like this. I love these kinds of talks, man. Um, even some of the podcasts that I don't tend to listen to often, um, I always get into the the food talk episodes just because it is such an important topic. Um, you know, people like the Health Ranger Report, people like that, they do a lot of, um, you know, diverse topics. And I always listen when they talk about food, even if I tend to disagree with some of their points of view. I like to hear multiple perspectives on the food system. Um, as a business owner in this industry, uh, Mr. Brunson here really has some good, good information to offer. And I hope that you'll check out his site. If you feel so inclined, purchase some seeds. He's got some high quality seeds and he always guarantees that he will reimburse you or replace, um, which I think is a great, great deal. And um, just a solid dude all around. I really like talking with this guy. And I hope to talk with him more. Uh, Man, we go through a little bit of the food history, um, the food system history, and just everything in general when it comes to trying to be more food independent. As he says, it's one of the easiest ways to really stick it to the man. And we always try and do that in this community, right? We're always trying to find ways to be a thorn in the side of big government, of the system. This is the easiest way to do it. Even if you're just taking one crop or one day's worth of crops from them, right? In your household, if if you spend a year just learning how to grow something and you only get a couple meals out of that, hey, you're still taking a little bit from them, right? Them being the, the big wigs out there that are messing with your life. This was a really educational thing, and I actually got really inspired to go out there and uh, start using some of my land to learn uh, again how to do this whole thing for myself. Uh, I've grown broccoli. I've grown tomatoes. I've grown greens. And greens, by the way, are one thing that he says are extremely easy to grow. Um, No reason not to do it. So I encourage you, after you're done listening to this episode, even if you don't listen to it all the way through. Start growing food. Check out rebelgardens.com. As you can see at the end, I subscribe to his newsletter because he's going to do a summit with some other pro gardeners, and they're going to teach people how they can make the most out of their resources, out of their square footage, and turn your little area into a garden so that you can grow your own food 
and um, just become a little more food independent, food secure. Inflation's hitting. I mean, at the very least, you may want to save a little bit of cash um, in the weeks, months, and years coming ahead because we don't, we really don't know what's happening, man. It's it's uh, unnerving to say the least, but I think that that's uh, by design. And we can be a little smarter. We can feel a little better about our futures if each person grew a little bit of food, right? Uh, so thank you, Jason. Really appreciate this, man. Uh, you can check out his work again, rebelgardens.com. He also sells his seeds on Amazon. They're not expensive. They're actually cheaper than store-bought individual packages. He sells them in bundles. Um, 17 bucks for like, a, I don't know, what was it? 12 different packets of seeds. Talking all different kinds of characteristics in them, whether it's like, uh, you know, tomatoes, herbs, um, variety packs. He does it all over there. Really fun. And like I said, he's got that uh, summit coming up next month that he's going to be uh, educating some of you guys. If you feel so inclined to sign up, I did myself at the end of the episode. And uh, man, just uh, educational stuff. And I hope that you enjoy it. I'm going to plug some of my stuff here. Okay. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast if you want to get full versions of all the episodes. Um, You actually hear our entire conversation here, but sticking with the health theme and the independence, a great listener sent me a uh, piece from Dr. Mercola, and I'm going to go through that in the Patreon for this segment. Uh, So even if you get full episodes, uh, you always get a little bonus content for each episode uh, under that lowest tier, okay? And the higher the tier you go up, you get additional stuff from me, too. So um, always appreciate patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast support. It always really helps a lot. Um, the store is growing slowly. We got more products coming in there this month. Uh, some fun shirts, some fun stuff. Okay, that's DangerousWorldStore.com. And uh, last but not least, before we roll into this food education episode, Got to tell you about Operation Tinfoil, man. WearTinfoil.com is the site you need to visit if you want to protect your brain cells from harmful EMF radioactive waves that are going through the atmosphere. We have no idea what kind of effect these things have on our heads, the way that we think. Um, It would be kind of interesting. You know, the whole idea, I was actually just thinking about this earlier, the whole idea of, you know, superstition being such a thing back in the dark ages, right? When electricity wasn't a thing. Um, And then you see kind of goofy cartoons poking fun at this where ghosts can't live in, uh, you know, cell phone distance and all this stuff. I think it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force that kind of pokes fun at this. I wonder if this literally kills like energy like that. And I don't, I don't have any proof to say that it does or that it doesn't, but it's referenced a lot in pop culture. And it's kind of interesting, you know, um, they have smiley face junction in uh in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And it's this little nuclear town, and the ghost gets out of there and ends up dying over and over again because he's in contact with cell phones. So you just wonder, right? I mean, I, I know it's a goofy example, but it's just kind of funny to think, like, dang, like what what is what is the harmful effect of being around all kinds of different technology? And we really don't know. We do know that these things pick up on Geiger counters, right? Uh, Radioactivity is picked up off of your modem, uh, off of your cell phone, off of your Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all these things emit. And you can even freaking see this stuff starting to become a lot more prominent 
the uh, Bluetooth headphones, you know, which are really being pushed through Raycon, through Apple, through all these other companies. These things are harmful. The younger you are, the more damage these things do to your brain. As far as we know, that stuff isn't repairable. That's a different topic for another day. But in the meantime, instead of just damaging your freaking brain and to who knows what extent, check out some EMF protective clothing at weartinfoil.com. I really appreciate what he's doing, man, over there. The guy's a great dude. And um, man, you get 20% off of this hat when you go over to weartinfoil.com. And uh, it's a stylish freaking hat, dude. If you're ever watching me on YouTube, I'm wearing that thing, no matter what the temperature is here in Tucson, Arizona, okay? Starting to warm up. We got a little cold spell. I won't leave the house without that thing, okay? I won't be caught dead leaving the house without that thing. I don't know how I could leave the house dead. But if I ever did, my toe tag would match my hat, okay? I don't know if that's a good advertisement or not, but I'm just saying I love this freaking hat and I always am wearing it now. Weartinfoil.com. Um, I just got off of having some weird virus. Um, I'm not saying it's some new thing, but dude, I mean, I you could probably still hear it in my voice a little bit, a little nasally. Um, it's also a little late. I just got off of a Monday night master debaters, which was very fun. Talked with a couple dudes. Uh, you know. I'm not going to give away who it is. Just tune into uh, Great Deceptions feed. And I always put the Monday Night Master Debaters episodes out a week after Matt does over there at Great Deception. But uh, it's a really fun thing that he's doing, man. We get to talk with different people every week. And there's literally nothing that we talk about going over. Matt's always courteous and he always asks the audience or not the audience, the uh, participants in the conversation. Hey, is there anything you want to address? More often than not, everyone says, no, man, let's just go. You know what I mean? And we get into 20 different topics in, a, in an entire episode. Uh, so what he's doing there is really fun. And um, he was kind enough to sort of bring me on as like a guest co-host. And we do that every every single Monday. And you'll get that over on his feed the Tuesday after. And uh, a week afterwards, you'll get it on my feed. So I encourage you to go check it out while the topics are hot. Uh, you know, with this 24-hour news cycle, I mean, by the time he's airing it the next day, those topics might already be dead. So by the time you're hearing it on my feed, they're way dead, right? Um, but yeah, man. Uh, sorry, I'm trying not to snort too much over here, but it's just, it's insane. Um, this This virus I had, I was dizzy. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you know that I was off. You know, I wanted to actually post the video on YouTube of this episode last week, but now it's going to come out, you know, the day after the audio, just because of this, this weird, weird thing. I was dizzy. I was lightheaded. I was, it was hard to breathe. Um, it was weird, man. I haven't felt like this in a while. And I don't think I got the, the C word cuckoo head. Um, but I don't know what it was. I have no idea what this thing was. And um, we'll see. We'll see. My immune system's pretty tough, but um, this thing sidelined me, dude. It sidelined me. So stay alert. Take that zinc. Take that vitamin D. Um, I am taking that new supplement. Um, I'm excited to see what that does after I am done with this virus. It sucks that as soon, like right before I started taking this thing. Um, that liquid gold right before I started taking, I started feeling a little off. Um, so 
I'm still taking it. I'm hoping, and maybe that's why I got over it quickly. I'm not making any claims on this stuff yet. I'm excited to see what it does. Um, not even a quarter of the way through the bottle yet. So we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I did, I, I will say before I actually started getting dizzy, I felt more clear headed. Um, maybe, and this is actually a thought I had, I could be going through some sort of detox. I've been cutting back a lot on booze and, um, with the combination of introducing a new supplement like this. I could be going through a detox. I've heard that detoxes, especially from narcotics, which I've never partaken in, um, they can feel like a flu. And I feel like I've had the worst flu that I've ever had. So um, that's a possibility. I'm not excluding that. But um, and I know that alcohol uh, withdrawals or or detox could be just like that. Um, I don't think I was at that level, though, where I would be getting alcohol withdrawal. But I guess, you know, that's part of the mystery of the whole thing. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, like I said, I, I promised I was going to keep you in in tune with what was going on with that little journey I'm going down. And then with this little food journey that I'm uh, about to start taking again with, uh, you know, trying to grow my own stuff out here in the desert of Tucson, Arizona possibly before a nuclear winter, uh, Jason Brunson here helps me uh, get inspired to do that again. So with that being said, enjoy the episode with Mr. Brunson. It was very, very fun. I encourage you, please, to check out Rebel Gardens. And if you don't want to do that, at least, like we say at the end here, go and buy a pre-sprouted plant from Lowe's or Home Depot and just plant that thing and take care of it. Don't waste your money. At least try and grow something. And I promise you, when you eat that vegetable or that fruit that grows off that tree or plant, you're going to be so, so fulfilled. It is a really, really great feeling. And uh, thank you guys for your support. I'll see you very soon. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. I've got Jason Brunson here of Rebel Gardens. Really excited to talk about the food supply and the crises. Crises, maybe, is how you how you would say that. Um, dude, you know, there's a lot going on when it comes to not just food. But the economy as a whole, right? I mean, we got a lot of issues sprouting up left and right. And you started Rebel Gardens some time ago. Um, I want to get into that a lot because I- I'm interested what made you want to get into the seed business. Yeah, so the the origin story, if you will, for Rebel Gardens is uh, pretty straightforward. I was working for a company that does a lot of marketing on Amazon. And I was shopping on Amazon. I think my father-in-law had gotten me a gift card or something. And I was looking for some seeds for my own garden. And I was very disappointed with the selection on Amazon. So I started looking into it. And I was like, you know what? I can do this better. Um, you know, I can create something that actually has meaning behind it, has some real varieties behind it. So that's, that was it. Then I went out and I, I did it myself. And I started building Rebel Gardens to for the people like myself who didn't have um, something beyond like, I want to grow pretty flowers or I want to grow big tomatoes. Those are all mm-hmm. great. And I, I do those things too, but um, we're more about growing food almost, almost as a, as a, as a weapon, if you will, to, to fight it back against our industrial food system, fight back against this ridiculous separation that we have between people and the earth. Yeah. That's what rebel gardens is and where it came from. So you started it out of necessity and then also like passion for yourself. Like, you, you know, it's a hobby. It sounds like you garden yourself and 
yep. or farm or whatever we want to call it. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's a topic that I've actually started really getting interested in a lot lately. And I didn't think that I would, because like when you hear about it at first, you think that it sounds boring when you're looking into like aliens or or secret societies and stuff. But then this has become one of the most important conspiracies, if you will, you know, the the weaponized food system you know what i mean and it's insane i've been listening to the ice age farmer a lot lately which is a great show dude i mean like the guy has some really interesting knowledge when it comes to like how the world and how these power players um some of them being nuclear powers like russia have such an impact on the food system man so do you you and i were we're going to kind of talk about some of that stuff now um i was asking if you know with these seed collections I see you got like micro green seed collections, uh, heirloom tomatoes and things like that. Um, what's like the easiest thing for people to start growing if they're amateurs? Um, I've got like an acre and a quarter of land, and this is just a selfish question for myself. Something that, something that I could start growing easily um, in kind of a hot environment. And then we'll, we can kind of expand on that a little bit. So the, by far easiest thing when you have an acre or, you know, a pot on your window seal is going to be greens. So you can see like I have a greens collection um, on there and like that, that's as close to foolproof as it gets. Um, your lettuce, your kale, um, yeah, your Swiss chards, your arugulas, those are super easy. They don't take a lot of, you, know, you don't have to prune them and, and do all this stuff that you need to do to have pretty tomatoes. Um, yeah, you, you either get them started or if you're in the right area you can stick them in the ground and water them and they'll do their thing um they thrive pretty much any um like temperature range beyond freezing um actually like if there's if it's getting kind of cold and there's like some light snow on the ground kale sometimes tastes better uh, if you're in a hot place and you're in arizona and it's you know, 120 or something insane um give them shade give them plenty of shade and some extra water but yeah I would, I would go with greens, 100%. Okay. And then another question just for myself here. When, like, how often should I be watering? You know what I mean? Because some people will say, like, once a week. Um, it's not quite 120 here yet. But, like, I feel like I was always overwatering things when I would try. Because you see how hot it is and how dry the dirt gets. But, obviously, it's wet underneath. How often should I be watering in, like, the Arizona climate? So, that's going to depend on a few other things primarily your soil um right because there's certain soil that kind of holds the water like a sponge you don't need to water as much other stuff is going to run off either it's hard packed and it runs off the top or it's like super porous and not as much gets to the plant Um, so there's a few considerations for the most part like if you really want to know if you really want to get serious there are like super cheap um moisture meters that you can take and stick in your soil and pretty much when it starts reading as dry, you water it. And if it's reading as like wet, you make sure to not water it. And that's it. Um, and you'll, you'll figure out for your area kind of, does that mean, you know, I can just run my hose over it for a couple minutes every day, every other day, but I need to do it twice a day. Mm. And it's going to vary throughout the season. But Okay. That's what I thought. Okay, well, cool, man. No, and, and the soil, it's funny you bring that up like right away. Obviously, it's really important. And then I was hearing a really, really interesting uh, sort of concept because, again, you know, Russia, they, I think a lot of ampho comes out of there, right? The ammonium nitrate. Yep. Um, 
so that's going to put a strain on the food system, obviously, if we're not getting a bunch of soil. There was an interesting idea, and, and I don't know if you'd heard about this, but getting rabbits and having because they, they breed like crazy. Mm-hmm. And their poop makes like perfect soil. Like you can just throw that in your dirt and mix it up. And then you have this like little rabbit apartment or rabbit house. And then you you end up like once the rabbits get a little older, you kill the rabbits. You can eat the rabbits. And not only does their poop feed the garden, you can feed them the scraps from the garden. So it's kind of like this perfect little ecosystem that you can create for relatively inexpensive Um and I don't know, man, it just sounds like a really cool idea to get into. I've been looking into trying to get chickens, but I feel like rabbits would kind of be the move right now, especially with the whole soil crisis. But um, it's an interesting thing, dude. So what do you want to get into with the the conspiratorial nature of the food? Because uh, there's a lot. Well, there there is a lot. Um, so maybe, maybe the best place would be just sort of the beginning. Um, and just sort of talk about how we got to where we are, right? Think about where we are in a food system. It's industrialized. It's stripping our topsoil. It's polluted. It's covered in pesticides. It's ran by like what, three, four, five massive agri firms. Um, it's completely like hyper regulated to the point of insanity by the government. So maybe we can take a couple steps back and just sort of hit some of the high points on how we got to where we are, and we can kind of dive into what that means and everything. Yeah, let's do that, dude. I don't want to jump ahead too far. What are those three uh, agro firms that that control everything? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, I don't know. I have I have there's a cool graphic that got shared around and it's on my other computer actually, and, <laughs> and it's got it's got like it's five or it's like four to six firms and they're in the middle and then it just runs the branches out to all the different um, companies that they own, and it's basically like if you walk into a supermarket. As like 90% of these companies. Like there is very, very, very little that they don't either own or control the inputs for. So it's it's pretty absurd. Wow. Well, I'll try and find that while we're going over this. But yeah, dude, start where uh start where you feel like it's important to start at. All right. So I mean, food food is super interesting to me because it's the ultimate, you know, there, there is no left or right here. There is no like Republican Democrat. Like we all eat. Mm-hmm. and we all want to eat healthy food and so we can sort of like if we go to the beginning you can actually go back it's to me at least a super interesting thing like you find like george washington was was sticking his nose into our farms and trying to control like it goes way back to the founding of the country but it doesn't really go crazy until 1906 so there is two acts that get passed the pure food and drug act and the meat inspection Act. Those basically, um, they played off of the fear from, you heard of the book, The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Um, that was that was a book that came out around that time and scared the snot out of everyone. And they did the worst thing you can possibly do, which would say the government's got to do something. Um, and it, his book was a work of fiction. It had no reflection on industry at the time, but it scared people. And everyone thought they were like eating human fingers in their sausage and, and all this. And so the federal government passed those two acts, and basically they took total control of the food system at that point. Um, if you were going to ship food like across state lines, the government now had a hand in it. Um, and even within a state, it was rapidly becoming something that they had a hand in. Um, and so from there, you just see it kind of grow. Um, it's your it's your standard thing where the government 
got some power. So they took more and more power and, you know, some rich people saw that the government was getting power and they said, well, we're going to go influence that and get richer. Um, and you get up to the 1970s, right? There's that uh, cool website, you know, WTF happened in 1971, right? Everything seemed to break in the 1970s. Everything seemed to break. Um, and our food was one of those things. The USDA secretary at the time was Earl Butts. And he has a famous quote where he says, he's talking to farmers, he says, get big or get out. And it's really like at that point, like we had seen consolidation, we had seen, you know, small family farms becoming corporate farms and corporate farms becoming mega corporate farms. But like, it wasn't crazy at that point. It, it was a trend. But after that, that's the, like the inflection point. And it just goes insane. And you have just hyper consolidation across the industries and you start having the government and a few major corporations take control of the food system um there's a fantastic book if you've ever heard of joe salatin he's the, I haven't. he's the lunatic farmer as he goes by so he, he's someone super cool if you're interested at all in food and farming definitely look him up he's got tons of interviews tons of great stuff but he has a book called everything i want to do is illegal and he wrote it a number of years ago, so it's just gotten worse since then. He just kind of goes through all these things he wants to do as a as a farmer that he's just not allowed to do, like butcher his own chicken or build a small house for his parents to live in on his farm, or like it's 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 a great book to just kind of go, oh, like they control everything. Like you want to change some plumbing on a farm, and the government. Has a, has a hand in it. It's insane. Um, and you you brought up such a good point, dude. Like how the world kind of fell apart, started really falling apart in the seventies. Like at least, especially in the United States, yeah. it's when we left the gold reserve. I mean, the uh, gold backed currencies. You know what yeah. I mean? It's insane when you really look into it, dude. And that's another thing that I'm fascinated with is the the money supply, right? I mean, and they they're gonna go hand in hand with the food supply. So I just thought that was a good point to bring up. Yeah, no, I mean, the money supply is a huge part of it. Um, money in general is a huge part of it. Not like your standard corporate greed, but just how much of the money in farming is controlled by like a handful of bureaucrats. Like there's something, it's called the farm bill. So my guess is like your average listener probably never heard of it or if they have heard of it, you know, it's because I think, I think that's where like food stamps came out of was, was the farm bill originally. I uh, could be wrong on that, but I know it's related to food stamps. But, but the, the farm bill is what shapes the food system in the United States. Like, again, if you go into a, uh, like a supermarket and you look around, you think you have all these different things. But really what you have, for the most part, is different ways to combine uh, corn, wheat, and soy. That's pretty much, you know, unless you're buying vegetables um, in the produce section, you're pretty much looking at, at corn, wheat, and soy. And a handful of preservatives and flavorings and colorings. Um, and the farm bill is 100% why. Like, if you've ever been like, why does a box of Oreos cost $3 and like some carrots cost $9? The farm bill is 100% why. Really? Uh, okay, there's, yep, there's your, there's the graphic. Was this, about. yeah, was this what you were talking about? Because there's the, the, the ones that I was showing before were the six main, um, agriculture companies and i i know nothing about it so i was i wanted to pull that up just to see if that was accurate but then yeah you get i mean pepsi nestle coca-cola what's this one unilever, unilever. uh danon mars 
um, Mondelez, Associated British Foods, Kellogg's, and General Mills. Um, so you got what eight companies there that own all these brands. It's insane to see. Yeah, and I mean that's not even you know that's just what fits on the graphic. That's not even the whole the whole story. Well, and these are big brands too, right? I mean, there's tons oh, yeah. of small ones, and and it's you see it even more with these smaller companies. There's these potato chips that I love, and I know potato chips are horrible to eat, but there's these New Orleans style kettle chips. They're called Voodoo, I think. Okay. And they're owned by this company called Oots or Uts U T Z. And dude, I was looking into them. They're starting to pick up a lot of brands too. It's a big wealth transfer, right? It's like these smaller companies that start with some good intentions, I'm sure, right? Even if it's junk food, some people are just like, yeah, yeah it's a guilty pleasure that some people have. They they want to eat a candy bar, eat a bag of potato chips. And then these big companies start getting in and then they use like the uh, Monsanto uh, stuff and then they just start poisoning massive groups. And you'll even see like in these healthy energy drinks, quote unquote, right? Like Celsius. Yeah. I mean, dude, there is poison in those things. And people genuinely drink those thinking that they're like, you know, they're getting their creatine. This is this is workout fuel. Dude, it's it's poison. It's bad for your kidneys, your liver. And then you're going out, you're sweating. You're like probably dehydrating the heck out of yourself. It's nuts, dude. And it's uh, I mean, they've done a good job really tricking people with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how much they hide. Um, just. Like if you look compared, so in the United States, we have something called grass, which is generally recognized as safe. And that basically stuff, it's the original intention of it was great because it was like, you know, for years we ate foods and the government didn't have the money to like research everything everyone had ever eaten. To, you know, so they didn't want to outlaw everything or try to research everything, which wasn't possible. So they just created this category and said, if it's been around, you know, it's fine everyone's still alive Mm -hmm. and the problem is is that category has just been utterly abused so we have tons and tons and tons of stuff that's grass because it's not government controlled it's corporations saying no 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 we looked into it it's good um and so when you start looking like in europe and the eu like there's tons of stuff they've banned that we keep doing here Um, there's tons of research on colorants and additives and how much damage that does particularly to kids and their brains and yeah i mean it's there's there's really no word for it other than conspiracy like Mm -hmm. actually if you look into the fda who's supposed to be protecting our food they don't um but to the extent that they do that occasionally it's a revolving door between them and the industry they're supposed to be regulating um it's it's yeah it's total corporate government takeover of our food system and it's not even like a cool like we're gonna provide you with great food at a cheap rate but we're gonna keep all the profit it's like we're just gonna feed you garbage yeah and you're gonna pay us for that privilege and it's insane and we're gonna ban everything every alternative out there well dude yeah. the so the turning of the of the 20th century is also when a lot of stuff started falling apart and you have the fda uh, popping up in 1906. So, I mean, you got that, you got the creation of the federal reserve, um, the creation of, I think the FBI, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's a lot of things that just start. I think that that's when they really started their plan here in the U- United States, at least to just try and, and ruin the aspects of everyone's lives. And then you, you think of the pyramid the food pyramid, right? Yeah. They end up finding out like after a, almost two generations of that thing being in place, 
that like, yeah, half the stuff that you're supposed to eat in the day is like poison, you know, the grains and stuff that are just not, yeah, grains when they're, when they're done right, they can be really good for you. But like this stuff that we have in our like white breads and even like the supposedly healthy breads, it's horrible stuff that's in there, dude, like glyphosate's in that stuff. And, you know, microwaves to, to one thing that you were saying, microwaves are illegal in a lot of countries, dude, but we have them here. And that's actually how a lot of people eat lunches at work. Yep. It's wild, dude. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say on, on the subject of bread, it's interesting. My, my daughter is, seems to be gluten sensitive. So we talked to some friends that, that are the same way or have kids that are that way. And we were talking to more than one person and they talked about how either themselves or their kids like can't eat bread products. If they get anything with gluten, you know, they still feel good. They get bloated. It's, you know, it's bad. Um, but they went for a trip in Europe and they just sort of let their guard down and, and whatever. In you know, in the middle of their trip, they realized, oh, I've been eating croissants. I've been eating like all this bread product. I'm fine. Wow. And then they come back to America and it's like, nope, no, I didn't. I, I wasn't miraculously cured. Like there's just something different about you. U.S. bread that makes it terrible for our body, and maybe that's the glyphosate. I can never say that word. Glyphosate. Um, yeah, that they use. I know they use that to try to even out production of wheat so they can harvest it all. Um, maybe it's that. Maybe you know, maybe it's the the breeding that they've done to kind of modify the genes in there. I don't know. I, I don't know the reason, but like it's a real thing. Like this is multiple people independently telling us a story, and it's it's crazy. So what do you think the answer to that is? If it, you know, making our own bread, I mean, because isn't it difficult to even find decent flour? Yeah. So, so there's like the immediate answer and then there's the, the kind of longer term answer. Um, so the immediate answer is just stop eating garbage, right? So you might, you might have to give up bread, um, might have to give up, you know, stuff cooked in industrial oils, um, you know, at least most of the time, right? I'm never a purist. I'm, I like occasional kettle chips. I'll, I'll have some ice cream here and there. But for the most part, like, yeah, you might just have to avoid it because we don't have good alternatives. Um, I know one of those people we talked to, she actually imports, she orders out of Europe um, some flour. I don't remember what kind or the name of it off the top of my head. But she, that's the only bread she eats is the flour she she imports out of Europe. Um, wow. So you know, if you got the money, that might be an option. But then like longer term, like food, our food system and kind of going against, like let's just call it food activism is something that like the average person can actually make a huge impact on in their, in their, with, their with their time, with their effort, with their money, right? Like you're never going to actually stop global warming with your personal behavior, like, you know, driving the car a little less. Like, that's not going to stop global warming. You're not going to save the whales. Like, that sounds great. I'll never tell someone to not do that stuff. But, like, if we're being honest, you're making no impact. <laughs> when it comes to food, though, like, you're, you, you have at least three, and for some of us it's, you know, might be six or seven, chances to cast a vote on the food supply you want. Right? Because we all eat. Everybody eats. And if you don't buy the garbage, even the, the giant corporations will change. Like we've seen this, we've seen, you know, and this isn't food, we saw BPA get removed from plastics, particularly food plastics. They didn't want to do that. That wasn't, they weren't like, yeah, let's retool our whole supply chain to, to get rid of BPA. No, like people just said, no, this is insane. And it happened. Um, 
we've seen this with organic, like, you know, the organic movement, it's kind of been co-opted and taken over and watered down. But that was a grassroots thing. Like organic, certified organic exists because people were like, no, no, I don't want to eat pesticides. Like, wow, I'm going to go buy this other stuff. Um, so we can actually do that. And the coolest thing to me about food is you get the immediate benefit of it improving your house, the kids' health, um, all that. But like it has this ripple effect. Like what's the number one Oh, okay. I don't think it's number one. I think it's like number two or three uh, biggest polluter in the country. Agriculture. What is one of the top things of greenhouse gas emissions in the country? Agriculture. Like, what is the number one source of animal abuse in the country? Agriculture. Mm. Um, what is the one of, if not the number one things for worker abuse? Like the migrant workers in agriculture. So when you start making the change, this is all solvable. If you're not buying the stuff that has massive pesticide and herbicide runoff into our oceans, then that runoff doesn't happen anymore. If you change from buying, you know, beef from tortured cows raised on cement slabs in these horrible conditions, and you buy cows being raised on grass, particularly if they're being raised correctly on grass, you're actually creating a carbon sink, which can suck carbon out of yeah, so you can go carbon negative in production. Um, like this all has a ripple effect. And if Absolutely. you're eating better food, you're getting healthier. What's that going to do? It's going to help relieve the burden from our healthcare system. Our completely overburdened, and well, that's a whole other rabbit hole of how manipulated and abused that is. But it helps with that. If you're feeding it to your kids, your kids are going to be able to pay attention in school better. They're going to do better. Like it's this massive societal ripple effect that impacts virtually anything you care about starts with food like that's the number one place you can personally make a difference it's a good point dude and you know to your to your point about like the cheap beef versus the like organic grass-fed beef um there's got to be something to be said about putting things in your body that are you know if it's a cow for example if you're taking a steak from an animal that's lived a miserable life not only is the meat probably not going to taste as good there's got to be some sort of energy effect to putting that really negative stuff in your body. You know what I mean? Like it's got to do something to you. I don't know exactly what, and that might be like some pseudoscience type shit, but it's just, it, it, it's sad, dude. And like, I see, I remember like I was really, really upset to see this video of uh DiGiorno cheese farm. I, I don't know exactly what the cheese farm was, but they were picking up cows by the tail with like cranes and moving them. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, DiGiorno should have gone out of business after that. You know, I think that that farm did, but I mean, DiGiorno was, was obviously a part of that in some way. You know what I mean? Um, that stuff's sad, man. It really does. Like, because I, I respect animals a lot. I love eating chicken and I love eating steak and lamb. Lambs are the cutest damn animals I've ever seen, but they taste really good. You know what I mean? And so, but there is something to be said about that, man. And it's a good point to bring up. And then I wanted to ask you if you know how you know that a grass fed steak, when they call it that. That it's actually like a fun, like free range thing because they can put these labels on these things. I think the, the definition of free range is like they can turn around in their cage. I think and there was some goofy ass thing like that. And how do you know that they're not just like in a cage and they're being fed grass? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard. Um, I don't remember for free range, but I know for chickens, for free range chickens, um, part of the definition is they have to have access to the outdoors. So it could be ten thousand chickens crammed into a bar barn with like a door that one chicken sized 
to come in and out. And those are free range chickens. Wow. Right. So it's basically if it's on the label, ignore it. Right. If something says grass fed, right, what they don't tell you is all cows are grass fed for part of their life. And then they mm-hmm. get moved into the CAFO plants to get big and fat as fast as possible. And corn too, right? Oh yeah. Man, yeah, they'll show corn grains. Um, I've seen I've seen I've seen them feed them candy, which was terrible, like with the wrapper still on it. Uh, wow, where was that? I don't know. It was it was one of those things where it was like a video and it was like, that can't be real. And I tried to look into it as far as like, hell yeah, no, they were they were just moving, they were moving like some old expired candy into into their cow feed wow um so like there are independent certifications um for stuff like certified regenerative um you can find stuff if it says grass finished um supposedly that's got to actually be grass fed its whole life because that would technically be you know fraud if they said it was grass finished um yeah that's still a little iffy but a little bit more confidence, but the number one way to do it is to try to connect with local people. Um, most places, even big cities, have reasonably accessible farmers in their area that are doing it right. Not always perfect, but they're doing it right. And if you connect with them, like if you go out to the farm and you shake the dude's hand and you see the cows out on the plate, you can be a lot more confident on what you're getting then if you're going through a supermarket and you have a steak that's wrapped in plastic and you're like, hi, oh, this is what they say it is. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, so you can look at things on the label and those are going to help. You know, I still do that myself because, you know, sometimes you got to go buy your stuff at Costco because, you know, when they've inflated our money supply to the extreme that it is now, you know, stuff's expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you can go connect with local farmers, there's a great organization called the, the Weston A. Price Foundation. And they have local chapters like all over the country. Um, and they connect with local farmers. Like they're huge on grass finished and raw milks and all that stuff. So what is that organization called again? Called the Weston A. Price Foundation. Weston A. Price Foundation. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's interesting, man, because um, you said so much there that that I think hits the nail on the head. You know, the the inflation I mean, you can't judge at this point when people are going to Costco or going to Walmart to just to feed themselves. And people have, I mean, people, in my opinion, sometimes irresponsibly have a ton of kids. You know what I mean? Like when they've got like when they're when they're barely able to to feed themselves and then people will have like eight or 12 kids. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like and then, yeah, you have to feed these these kids poison, unfortunately, in order to feed them. Um not knowing what's in your meat is scary to me, man. You know, there was that really weird video and who knows if it's real. I kind of doubt that it is, but there's something about like McDonald's having like human meat in their, in their burgers. You know what I mean? Do you believe yeah. that kind of stuff or do you think that that's all just like BS? You know, I, I think, I think most of that is typically going to be BS. Um, but not all of it. Like there's, there's been some weird stuff like um, my own, father um he bought and this was i don't even know probably 20 years ago right but he bought a nut rages bar right he was just out he was working and wanted a snack and bought a nut rages bar bit into it and was like this is weird and he looks down and it is just full of like he said it looked like spider webs and like bugs 
And we were just like, well, why did you throw it away? Like, you know, we got <laughs> not rages for life, but like, yeah. So, I mean, not all of that's fake. I mean, a lot of stuff, like, I don't think any place is using human meat to make their Big Macs. Um, but yeah, no, like there's, you know, for, for, for how protected we're supposed to be, by you know government regulations and, and all this stuff there's there's some shady stuff that goes on shady shady stuff well there's like weird little things that, and i'm sure everyone's kind of heard this stuff where there's like a certain amount of insects that are allowed to be in granola yeah. um which you know it does make sense you know but at, at a certain extent it's like dude if, if our tax dollars are going to this stuff why can't it be perfect you know what i mean like why can't it be very very healthy to eat and yeah dude that's weird and there is actually human dna in you know, fast food meat, but that's because it's being packaged by people. You know what I mean? So like, and, and they're not always very clean. You know what I mean? Some of these no. kids just really don't care about their jobs. You know, we've all seen those horror videos of like the kid at Taco Bell licking the, the shells. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Disgusting stuff like that. Um, and I do eat at Taco Bell every once in a while. It's uh, you know, it's a guilty pleasure, but um, you know, it, it's, it's scary. It really is scary when you start thinking about it, just because you are you're everything that you get out of food is, is you know, what you're putting or everything that you put into getting yourself fed, you're going to get out of it. Right. You know, you're going to you're going to feel better. You you seem like a healthy looking dude, healthier than me, probably for sure. Um, so, you know, it's just um, it's something that you said, like you said, it's an easy difference that we can make. And I am actually kind of inspired right now to try and reach out to like a local farmer. I live out in the country. There's probably one right down the street from me. I'll call your neighbor. Yeah. Well, my neighbor's kind of weird actually, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably not very far. I know that there's chickens around here. There's peacocks. There's always signs up like eggs and all this stuff. I don't eat eggs too often, but you know uh, it's a good point, man. And uh, I'm definitely going to look into that. And I'm going to try and get on some rabbits. I'll tell you that right now. Have you ever messed around with rabbits or do you have any art? Uh, oh. I haven't I actually brought that up to my wife years ago. Um, and uh, she put a hard stop on that. She had a pet rabbit when she was a kid. So uh, that, that will never be my meat animal. Ah. So, you know, I've, uh, I've accepted that uh, home butchering probably not going to happen. So I, I stick to, to growing the vegetables. Um, what do you grow yourself, if you don't mind me asking? I'm, I'm really no, curious. Not at all. So I, you know, I like many people in, in trapped in suburbia. I don't have a ton of space to grow. Like I'm once my four-year-old gets a little bit older and, and is done kind of playing in the yard. I've already told my wife like our backyard's getting turned into a garden here. But right now I grow um, lots of greens. Right, like I think it's criminal that people buy bag salad. You know, we'll still do it occasionally <laughs> when we're having guests. But it's like this is the easy like like it. it so easy to grow and you can set up like self-watering stuff and grow it indoors it's so easy um and then we'll grow we'll grow tomatoes uh we don't get very much sunlight one thing i actually just discovered i never bothered to try is uh, jalapenos grow like gangbusters at my place apparently so we'll be doing jalapenos um we do a lot of like like snap peas and, and legumes and stuff those grow really well um my girls have strawberry patches that they love um so not, not, I don't grow as much as I'd like, um, you know, in the winter, I try to grow lots of microgreens, highly recommended. Um, it's like growing your own multivitamin. Those are great. Um, it tastes good too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find a map of the zones. Uh, there's different zones. You'll see these on the back of, uh, like seed packets and stuff, right? Like, especially the commercial seeds. 
they'll have little zones here. I'm trying to find a good picture because I want to ask what zone you're in. Uh, da, 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 da. I can't really find a good one here, but um, you, you've seen what I'm talking about, right, Jason? No, I know what you're talking about. I'm actually I'm like, you know, I should know what zone I'm in. I, I do this for a living. Totally off the top of my head, can't think of it. Well, let's uh, see. This one is decent. It just isn't as precise as I as I've seen. But let's see here because I believe I am in zone. Uh, I'm in zone nine. It looks like um, it's freaking hot here, right? And yeah. so you're in what zone six, zone seven? So yeah, I'm up. I'm up right near Portland. So oh. it's like probably a seven or eight. Which kind of surprises me to be honest. We're not we're not hot by any means. But okay, well, maybe that's not a very accurate map. Yeah, dude, it's just because that's an interesting part of the whole thing, right? Because I mean, dude, I'm so I I was actually very passionate about what is going on here. I'm actually really passionate about uh, growing things, and I used to do it a lot. Like I used to. This is why I bought the the acre property. Okay, but it has gotten to be really difficult. You know what I mean? Especially with the podcast, and and it is kind of like a job out here. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of research that goes into it. Okay, so in this one, yeah, it still looks like your zone eight. All right, well, I guess I'll have to accept the accept the map. <laughs> That's weird, though, huh? You'd think that you'd be like more like a like a four, yeah. like this, like kind of yeah, colder. I'd assume, I'd assume a five or six, but all right. But yeah, huh. I mean, you know, it, one cool tip for people: a lot of that stuff, like into like I, you know, I sell seeds for a living, and I'm still like, oh yeah, look at my stuff. Like, there's master gardener programs virtually everywhere. And, you know, now that we're coming out of the, you know, the last couple of years, that um, you know, we can start talking in person again. Like the master gardeners, like a lot of times I'll have booths at, at farmer's markets, probably the first place to check. And you can look them up and I'll do stuff at libraries and different things. Those guys are pros for your area. Because um, you can pick up books like, you know, what to grow in the Pacific Northwest or what to grow in where. But those guys, they're, they're, they're going to be pros for your area. And there can be a lot of variants and a lot of weird things. And you, go, you know, this tomato brand is supposed to grow great. And it's like, well, it would, but you have the wrong soil. So, right? mm. so you figure out those nuances that can really turn people away because they're like, oh, it didn't grow. You know, I suck at, you know, I'm brown thumb. It's like, no, like you did fine. You just chose the wrong variety. Yeah. So, well, and then it is, it, it's one of those things that like, you know, you can do all the research that you want, but it's like, you got to go out there and try it. You're probably going to mess up a few crops or maybe a lot of crops like I have lately. Right. But I mean, just getting out there and, and it's fun. It really is fun. Like, you know, if you, you have a cocktail or something, you go out there and you kind of mess around in the garden. It's just like a fun thing. You're getting yourself dirty. You're like connecting with nature a little bit. And um, once you eat things that you've grown, I grew some broccoli one time that, I mean, you could eat it, like cooking. It was like, a waste it was just like you want to eat this stuff raw you know what i mean oh, best yeah. broccoli i've ever eaten i've eaten tomatoes i made spaghetti sauce out of tomatoes i've grown it is the best food that you've ever had a lot of people are like oh, i don't like tomatoes or i don't like broccoli or i don't like vegetables and it's like no like you don't like this stuff in the store mm-hmm. because that stuff was grown in terrible conditions and harvested before it was all the way ready to be harvested and like shipped all over the country and it's you know days if not weeks old like no 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 like it's probably been frozen like no you don't like store-bought vegetables vegetables are fantastic Mm -hmm. like you just don't know because you've never you've literally never eaten a true fresh vegetable like so many people have just never experienced that and yeah i highly recommend experiencing that even if it's you know a tomato tree on your front porch like 
put that out there, pick some tomatoes, you'll be amazed. Well, yeah, and like the like Roma tomatoes, for example, at the grocery store, no flavor. There's zero flavor in those things. And like gross. Yeah, well, and like I'll eat them on sandwiches. I actually just had a sandwich before we started here. I'll throw those tomatoes on there because that's all that I have. But I mean, dude, like people used to kind of like make fun of like the Italians in New York, like just eating tomatoes with salt on them. You know what I mean? Like a whole like eating them like an apple. It's like, dude, you can actually kind of do that when it comes to these like homegrown things. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you can. It's insane. But yeah, dude, um, I, I need to get back into it. I feel like I'm just wasting this land out here. But yeah, start small. Just, you know, don't don't do a whole acre at a time. Do, you know, oh, yeah. block, build that up and then start on the next one. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, you know, create or, you know, I guess you could buy, but you can a lot of times use it to create good soil and buy good seeds and make sure they're watered and fertilized if needed and you'll you'll definitely get some stuff and you'll you'll learn from there so do you have a step-by-step process we can kind of go through to make good soil so it depends again like it's one of those things where it depends on what you're starting with right like Mm -hmm. if you have clay right step one is you know you dig out all the clay so you have a giant pit that you can fill up with stuff that will actually grow things um but usually like one of the best things that you can do this, or at least one of the simplest things to do. So let's say you have like a, let's say you have a yard. It gets good sun, you're done. You don't have kids playing on it. You're like, I'm just tired of spending time and money growing grass. is nice. So one of the simplest things that you could do with that spot would be go through, right? Map out what part you want to turn into a garden. Um, cut your sod. Flip it so the grass is down. You don't have to do that part. You could just stick cardboard right on it. Then put um, a layer of compost and a bunch of um, like wood chips. Wood chips are great. Like a lot of places you can contact the, the limb companies that cut tree limbs and stuff. And they'll, they'll like dump a huge thing in your driveway for free. Um, mm. And then, you know, water it heavily and then just let that go to work, right? So you do that, say in the summer. And then, you know, come next spring, you're going to have soil now. Um, You know, unless you're dealing with really hard packed clay, like that's going to turn into soil. Um, And then you could, you know, maybe top it with some topsoil or some additional compost or you just scoop the the wood chips that have it decomposed out of the way and plant it there. But that, like, that's a perfect start. And then you have advanced version. There's something called, um, is it the Lavagna method or the lasagna garden? which has a much more structured tiered approach to doing that. And it creates insanely good soil. Lasagna garden. Yeah. Like layers to lasagna. That's funny. Yep. Um, and then you can get like super sophisticated. I, I have a friend who I've chatted with and she's like a soil nerd. Like she went to school for soil and she can, she can teach you how to like turn rocks into like the, the most amazing soil in the world. But wow. you can start, that simply like just put something down you know add a little compost so it's got the microbes in it and just throw some you know like wood chips or even get a thick layer of uh like dry leaves and then just let the microbes go to work they'll make soil for you wow okay so so if you don't want to buy it the process is longer at least for uneducated people like the average layman it would take a while yeah, yeah and it's you know and again like yeah you can just buy some soil stick it there 
and sort of you're ready to go, right? Like if you could do the exact same thing, but then put a you know few inches of soil on top of that, and you're you're good to go for that season. And then it will just keep generating soil for you. Um, but okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm probably going to start this today, actually, to be honest, because I, like I said, I have so many, I've even got like a bunch of seeds and I'm going to buy some of your seeds too. Um, again, another selfish question, which was, should I start with the greens? Greens are going to be the easiest by far because um, they take, I mean, they're literally like, I actually had some lettuce. I wish I could remember which variety I planted them. I have this little, it's like, I don't know, it's a foot by eight inches or something like that. And it's like self-watering little thing full of, full of soil. And I planted them and I completely forgot about them. This was, this was, man, this was probably a few months ago. I uh, found them on my, uh, my deck yet just the other day. And they had grown a huge thing of lettuce. I was like, all right, like it's been pouring rain. It's been cold been freezing more than once. They did their thing. They got like virtually no sunlight and they, they grew. Interesting. How do you, so what's the process of getting these kinds of seeds? I'm looking at this one actually. Um, well, I can't grow carrots out here too easily. I've tried that before. I can't Run grow carrots. Don't feel bad. That's my, like, I'm going to learn to grow carrots someday. I, I've never pulled it off. Well, these root things are hard, especially out here, because from what I understand, you need really sandy soil, really loose soil, right? Yeah, you need you need some loose soil. Yep. So yeah, I'll find a I'll find one that works real well because I want to. So my question was going to be, how do you find these organic heirloom, non hybrid, non GMO, USA grown and harvested and picked seeds? That seems like a challenge in its own, right there. So it's not it's not actually challenging as some people think. It is. So I'm going to give. I'll give all the listeners like the secret hack to this. So number one, there are, as far as I know, zero seeds commercially available for home growing that are GMO seeds. Those just don't exist. Okay. Um, number two, anything that's certified organic has to be non-GMO. Um, so even if you don't believe me and you think that there's going to be GMO tomatoes, like if they're certified organic, they're, yeah, you're good. So you not only get they're raised with less pesticides and, and with some slightly better condition, but you know, you're good there. Um, so really what you want to look for is certified organic. I always like, they are more expensive, but like for my company, I only do certified organic because that's just, like, I feel that's the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, so that's, so you can find them. There's a lot of farms, even some big farms that, that do seed growing. And we work with as many as we can. And like my, my fantasy is to someday have actually uh, zone based seed packets where I work with local farmers in a given zone. And then we create that and it's specific to. You know, it's varieties picked and grown specific to a given a given grow, growing area. Um, that's down the road. That's that's the fantasy someday, though. Dude, I love this pepper collection, and you put the Scoville units next to it too. That's dope. That is cool. Yep. Scovilles, for those that don't know, that's how hot things are. So the higher the Scoville, the the spicier it is. But yeah, dude. Um, so like the what is that big company, Bonnie? Like, Bonnie, it, yeah, it's one of the big ones. 
is that i mean are those quality obviously they're not anywhere near this but i mean i've had like almost zero luck with their seeds so most of the time they are um seed companies are supposed to have fairly standardized germination rates the problem with the huge companies is they go through a lot of warehousing and a lot of transporting and if that's happening particularly during the summer there's a lot of chances for those things to get baked in the back of a you know metal trailer oh uh, that makes a lot of sense dude so you have like a lot more control over how these are stored because like yeah so so a lot a lot yeah so we i, I work you know i still have a supply chain so it happens but you know i back my seeds 100 if you get seeds and you're like dude nothing grew or you're like half of it grew i'll, I'll just send you more um okay because yeah 100 back that the thing, the thing I don't like about a lot of the big seed companies, most of the time the product's fine. Again, if they're certified organic, whether they're from you know, Mega Seed Company X or you know a tiny little local seed grower, um, they're going to be comparable. But you, you also need to look at kind of what else goes into it. Um, like for Rebel Gardens, like again, I made very specific choices that you know I make less than than you know the big corporations do because of these choices. But like our seed packets are made from 100% recycled paper. Mm. So they're made from recycled, you can recycle them. So the seed packets are good. Um, the collections come in like this brown outer bag um, that holds them together. Those bags are 100% compostable. You can work with a company that certifies compostability and, and produces that stuff. So you can basically shred those bags and throw them into your compost pile and they'll, they'll turn into more soil for your garden. That's dope. So, and then to make compost, you basically just throw like little bits of vegetables that you're not eating into like a big bucket. Is that the best way to do that? Yeah. Like you, you need to balance, um, you say the browns and the green the carbons and, and what have you. Um, so there's a bit of a science to it, um, but that's, it's pretty straightforward. Really. It's just your food scraps in a bucket and then you can add like, you know, dry leaves to that bucket, and let it cook. Um, you can get stuff or you can flip it and do different things. It kind of gives you a more consistent effect, but yeah, for the most part, uh, there's a, there's a great guy. His, his name is uh, David the good. And he has a book all about composting. And he says his favorite, his favorite, his favorite composting method is what he calls drop composting. He just goes and throws all his food scraps out into his garden and just, it's fine. They rot. They turn into compost eventually. So it doesn't need to be complicated, but you can definitely get the, the fluffy stuff or if you need to keep smells at bay from the neighbors. <laughs> well, dude, you know what too is, is tough out here is that, and it sounds weird. People are always like, you know, this doesn't make any sense, but lizards constantly get into my garden and eat stuff when I'm growing things. Yep. And like, so I have to spend a lot of money on metal mesh to go like to build sort of like little wires. I build like little cages out of like, um, you know, one by one little or two by two uh wood with with like screens over it and they'll still find their way in sometimes and i don't want to use any pesticides or anything like that so it, that is kind of another level of uh of frustration when it excuse me when it comes to it but yeah. um i don't know if it would work for lizards um but i know a lot of people have found success for bugs using um, um like super hot peppers and so you take them and you um i'm gonna forget the proportions but you, you put them in vinegar to help them dissolve and then you you water that way down and you put it in a spray bottle and you go and you spray you know 
the bases, you can spray the top parts if it's you know, not like, don't do that for greens. Get some spicy greens. But uh, <laughs> you can spray the bases and you can spray stuff. And if it's early in the season, you can spray your tomatoes. It's not going to hurt anything. Um, but bugs hate it. And I wonder, I wonder if lizards would, would back off if, if they were trying to eat spicy tomatoes. I don't know. That makes sense, dude. Well, that and then I've heard also like people will put like soap, like whether it's like borax or something like that. Um, that just seems dirty to me. The vinegar and the and the spice sounds better. But um, one thing I was noticing too, dude, is how inexpensive these things are in here. Like you know, when you go and you buy like an individual seed packet from like Home Depot, they're like two or two to four dollars. You know what I mean? Yep. And then you're getting like it looks like twelve or thirteen different seeds in each collection for seventeen ninety nine. So I mean, these end up being a dollar and change each, um, which is I mean that's kind of crazy. You know how it can be cheaper and better quality. So where'd the name come from, dude? Where'd the rebel rebel gardens come from? So the name was just, um, I was thinking about my company way back when I started it. And I was like, well, I want to stand for something, right? I want to stand for more than just grow, grow some tomatoes. And, uh, I actually came up with, with the, the tagline of grow the rebellion before the company name. And it really just came down to like, I'm doing this, to be kind of you know one node in a giant meshwork of a rebellion against our food system and everything that's doing to society, and then it sort of flowed out of that. And I was like, well, Rebel Gardens, that works. Like, I want to grow gardens that are part of this rebellion. Let's do it. That's dope. Because yeah, it is. It, it's one of those things where, and you said it early on we can actually really kind of mess with the government and the whole system, so to speak, if we just grew our own food, you know what I mean? If we didn't have to rely on them for food, that's the main thing like self-defense and your own food and your own water, which is very important too. If you get that stuff, I mean, they don't, they don't have anything for you, man. You can, you can be your own self-sufficient little country in your house. Yeah. Up till the events of the last couple of years and, and the incredible rise of, you know, people very openly trying to create a technocratic authoritarian world government. So, you know, two, three years ago, I would, I would have argued and fought tooth and nail that our food system is the number one thing to be working on in America. I mean, you know, like I said, it just, it touches everything. Um, and, and so it's still, you know, maybe it's number two now, and maybe we need to fight against, you know, digital IDs and, and all that nonsense more now, but yeah, man. Like this is something that everybody can do. Um, like there, there's, there's literally not a like. Yeah, like if you're a single mom, you have five kids, and you work a minimum wage job, you're not going to go buy, you know, grass finished certified regenerative T-bone snakes. Yeah, and I respect that. But like, even that person can be like, I'm not going to eat McDonald's anymore. I'm gonna, you know, maybe it's low quality chicken, but like that is a step above. Like the cheapest chicken at your local Costco is a step above anything you're going to get out of McDonald's or Burger King or so everyone can like take that step and and that step matters like it's it actually genuinely matters so yeah dude i mean you went there so i'll go there right now to the uh the the whole technocratic push right that is going to make it so that we're eating like literal bugs you know they're talking about this kind of stuff um goal they have yeah dude and it's weird it's it's like it, it almost seems like uh it's some psychopathic thing where like they, they want to, it's like an abusive thing, right? Like they, they want you eating 
shit, literally. Like they don't care what you eat. And it's it's a weird concept to me. How far deep down those rabbit holes do you go, dude? Like with the technocracy and how like do you believe like soylent green's gonna be a thing at some point, you know, where they're feeding people to you? I know that we kind of touched on that. I mean, I wanna say no, but it's kind of one of those like I think it's a low probability, but it ain't it ain't impossible. Like I, I take the stance that I think that there are people who want to control everyone. We all have our own theories on why that is, right? You know, whether they're interdimensional reptiles or whether they're just power mad people, like, you know, whatever. But they clearly, like, openly want to control and own everything. I think a lot of the, like, you're going to eat the bugs, you're going to live in the pod. It isn't even so much that they hate us. It's that those are the things that they can control, right? It's like you said, like, they can't control a decentralized food chain based on local farms, local ranching, local water supplies, building with local supplies, you know, trading with your neighbors. They, they can't, like, you can't control that. You can regulate it. You can put your thumb on the scales. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if you have access to food in your general local area, you can be like, oh, I'm good. Peace. I got food. I got water. We're good. Right, so they can't control you, and so I think the, the goal is to control people. Like if you're just being fed your processed locust blocks, like they own you, right? You don't have access to a local farm. You just have your your bug pods shipped in. Um, and I, so I think that's really what it's about. I think they know they can't control a, a decentralized, diverse food system, and so they're gonna shut that down. They're going to convince you that cow farts drive global warming. They're going to convince you, like, and yeah, they're going to shut it down. Have you seen in Brazil, they have uh, fart bags on the top of cows so that, like, and a tube going up the cow's butt. So when the cow farts, it goes, and, and it sounds like a crude joke, but, I mean, you can look up pictures of this stuff, man. It's It's sad, and it's also, like, disturbingly funny at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I had heard about uh, research being done on that. I did not know that had ever been actually implemented in real life. So that's yeah, sad and hilarious at the same time. Yeah, let me see if I can find a picture. You brought up something, too, that, that made me want to kind of go back to the BPA thing, like right, with the plastic. Do you feel like more that they do these kinds of things to save money or is it intentionally to poison people? I think it's just they don't care. And that's not even a malicious thing always, um, right? They make plastic, put the plastic out, people eat out of the plastic, they don't, they don't immediately die, so we're good, right? And yeah. so then once you invest billions of dollars into a specific supply chain, you don't want to change that, so you're going to fight against it. Like, it's going to take a lot. So I don't always think it's even malicious. It's just, they don't care. Mm. Um, More about saving money than trying to hurt people, you think, then? Yeah, I think most of the time, like, I think there are efforts being made that are specific to harming people. Uh, But again, I think those are all about control. Like, I think, maybe I'm naive. I I don't want to think that they're just like, yeah, let's just make the lives of poor people miserable. I think it's just like, we're going to do these things. And if that makes poor people miserable or that makes the average American sick, you know, all right. So whatever. yeah, it's a really level-headed way to look at it. You know what I mean? A lot of people start start finding themselves in these weird, like everything is going against me. 
Um, that makes a lot more sense. But here are your uh, fart bags on these cows, if you can see oh these. Different ways of doing it. Um, and, and I think that they started this in Brazil. And um, yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's weird. It, it, there's something really uh, dystopian about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, pretty interesting. Not only is the cow probably miserable with this thing, and it's a light bag, right? But you know what they do with these bags is they dump them down mine shafts. You know what I mean? So how is that? Oh, that's a good picture right there. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know where this kind of stuff stops at a certain point. Um, I don't think that cow farts are that harmful for the environment personally. I, I wouldn't know. But I would say a volcano is probably a lot worse, right? Um, those, those are natural. You can't stop those. Private jets don't help, but I don't hate on people for taking those because I'd love to have one. But, um, you know, I don't know. It, it, I think that's a good point that you bring up where they just do these things for control. Um, and if they couldn't care less about the effect on you, whether it's good or bad. But it does seem like they there is more of a malicious intent because of like the whole tax system. You know, they don't want you making any kind of money. The the biggest crime that you can commit to the government is not giving them a cut of your money. This is why they hate drug dealers. Um, they they oftentimes up until recently, drug dealers have been getting less punishment than like child molesters and things, you know, um, or murderers. Even there was actually a case here recently where uh, a couple married their two or uh, not married, a married couple murdered the two year old and they got seven years in prison. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, that that's not enough, man. And then you'll have people that are dealing heroin, which horrible, horrible crime, right? A lot of people get killed over it. But, you know, the problem is there's money being uh, moved around without the government getting their their fingers in it. So, you know, there's something to be said about that control. Um, money is control, right? It's just, I kind of like the yeah. slave debt system that we have. Um, last thing that I want to touch on, unless you had other kind of historical things you wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts on Bill Gates uh, owning so much land? Um, so my, my number one thought is it's terrifying because, you know, it, it makes you wonder first, like, what does he know? And number two, even if there's nothing, even if you ignore like any conspiracies around it, he's still buying up loads of farmland. And I don't think he's doing it to regenerate it with proper agriculture and renew the ecosystem. Like, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. You know, so it's, I don't see an upside to it at all. I think it's, I think it's terrifying. Yeah. It could either be for like uh, moving mega cities, right. Taking farmland and like just completely, you know, disbanding it essentially. Right. Because if you don't have enough farmland, you're obviously not going to be able to feed enough people. Um, so if you take this farmland, you sort of urbanize it, that could be a really interesting way to uh, sort of kill off the population. They're big into that for some reason, right. They're, they're big into trying to remove people. Um but yeah, it could be just like what you said. He just wants control. He wants to control the food system yep. um, just to kind of flex like that. You know what I mean? Um, it's a weird, weird kind of system that that they're trying to push. But it is. It is. I don't know, man. You got anything else that you wanted to touch on? No, I think I, I think, you know, my my take home message is, um, you know, if you're listening to this and you're kind of like, all right, like I'm vibing with this with this whole talk, you know, take one step to fixing how you eat you know it doesn't matter how small it is do, don't ever let anyone guilt you because you can't afford you know a certified organic produce like sure. take one step whatever it is for you and then two grow something right it's it's march like it's it's 
pretty close and probably in your area it is planting season um you know buy some seeds put them in the ground see what happens um putting your hands in, in the soil like it's going to make you healthier it's going to make you happier you're going to get good food if you get good at it you're going to save a bunch of money so uh, you know i hope everyone who listens to this gives that a try like if you go back to taco bell and you go back to buying terrible produce at the store like that's cool like you can still be friends but uh <laughs> but give it a try and uh know that you're actually making a difference in the world it's a good good way to to put it dude i mean even um potted plants right just starting with one tomato plant yep um and like you're saying just take one step i mean you could a lot of people here are really uh and when i say here i mean in this country a lot of people are impatient right you know whether it's social media or whether it's you know these uh short tv shows or video clips that people have gotten addicted to that make people want instant gratification. You know, some of the most popular videos on, on YouTube or Instagram are those uh, things where you see the recipe being made in like one minute. Like you go from like the ingredients to the completed food in one minute, you know, just yeah. like quick little because it's satisfying. You're seeing something from beginning to end really quick. Yep. Taking one step and maybe a really small step would be buying one of the little plants from Lowe's or Home Depot that are like started already, right? Yeah, 100%. That's a start. And then, you know, just putting one in one pot and taking care of that thing like it's a living being and trying to see what you can get. Maybe get some plant food, get some good water um, or at least, you know, clean the water because tap water is not really that great to use for it. Right. I mean, you'll with the chlorine, it'll shrink the vegetables. Yeah, yeah it depends on your area, but it's tap water isn't, wouldn't be my number one choice. But if that's what you got, use it. Yeah, it's better. And then the last thing I wanted to say is if you mess up doing this stuff. It's kind of like uh, like you're paying tuition for education, right? Like people put so much credit into going to college and you're paying to go to college more, more times than not. And you're, you're losing money to gain some knowledge. That's kind of what, it, what the way I see it when you make any kind of mistakes in a practical thing in life, whether it's the podcasting stuff, I print t-shirts. If I mess something up, it's like, okay, that was a learning experience. If you're trying to grow something and you mess it up, it's a learning experience. Yeah, you wasted a little bit of time, but did you really? I mean, you're learning something. So you wasted money, but again, you're learning from that mistake. You probably won't make the same mistake twice. And if you do, I mean, just tweak your method a little bit. It's a, it's um, it's an interesting little thing, man. Growing is very fun. I'm going to definitely get back into it after this conversation, dude. So thanks, man. I, I really appreciate your time and, uh, and getting me kind of like my ass in gear to cooks to uh to grow some stuff man i i forgot why i moved out here man you know what i mean like i moved out into this rural area so i could really mess around with that stuff so um i'll probably be posting some pictures of my little gardens here when i uh when yeah. i get that going all right i look forward to seeing them of course man do you want to plug your stuff any any time uh and then i'll obviously do it at the beginning yeah i mean if if anyone wants to check out my seeds it's it's rebelgardens.com um that'll get you there i'm also on on amazon factory jam just put a rebel garden in the search i'll pop right up um and i have an upcoming um like a virtual summit with a bunch of gardening experts so if you're just like i don't know anything about gardening um hop on over get on my email list at rebelgardens.com um not too hard to find and uh, i'll shoot you an email when it's when it's ready to go and you can you can start growing your own food oh dude when are you gonna do that i'm hoping to do that next month i'm still i'm still working out the, the final kinks so all uh, that you do is you go to the uh i'll do that right now actually because that would be kind of cool to watch 
Um, you just go to Rebel Gardens and then you do you go the, to rebelgardens.com and I, I there's a big link that says uh join the rebellion. Join the rebellion, just put in your email address. Yeah, you can just stick cool. that there. You'll get a you'll get a free video on seed germination. Um so that will cool. Get you going. Joining myself right now because yeah, dude, I would love to kind of learn from some experts, man. So I appreciate that. Dude, Jason, this is fun, man. I, I enjoy these kinds of talks where I get to learn some things from people. So um appreciate it a million times, dude. Thanks That's for the work you're doing you. and the knowledge that you're spreading, man. Thank you very much. Take care, dude. Well, that does it there with Rebel Gardens. I hope that you'll check it out. Sign up for that newsletter, man. This dude's a great guy. I really, really enjoyed talking with him. I learned a lot. And he has the nicest way of just inspiring you to get off your ass and start caring about your health and your family's future. It's great. Uh, tune in to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. I'm going to be talking about a document released from Dr. Mercola about a different spectrum of health. And I hope that you'll enjoy that too. I'll see you over there at Patreon.